Hey guys, have you ever wondered what happened to the legendary Chuck Norris? I saw a video he made and I was shocked. He is in his 80s, still kicking butt, working out, staying active. He looks like he's got more energy, can work out longer, even has plenty of that energy left over for his grandkids, and he did this by making one change. He said that he still feels like he's in his 50s. His wife even started doing this thing too. She's never felt better. She says she feels 10 years younger, her body looks leaner, has energy all day, and Chuck's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do this same thing to see incredible changes in their health. Staying active is important. Moving around keeps you feeling good. Making sure that you take care of your gut health, your digestion, just overall, is also very important. Right now, you can go to mymorningkick.com slash Fightful. Watch Chuck's video right now. That's mymorningkick.com slash Fightful. Check out what Chuck Norris has to say. What's got him feeling so good these days? He explains everything, and you won't believe how simple it is. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What up, Fightful friends and family, and welcome to another edition of Fightful Wrestling Roundtable. My name is Shaquille Matthewdy, joining you over from CBS Sports. John Ross Sapp, little creep in the door. I blast right through, steal all of his viewership. I very much appreciate his efforts. And, uh, man, we have a lineup with, with Sean Ross Sapp personally retweeted. That means I did a good job for once. Uh, there's so much to talk about in the aftermath of the Royal Rumble heading into WrestleMania 40 season. And I have, I think, it is fair to say, um, three of the best guys in the biz here today. The Royal Rumble press conference was a very um, heavy environment in the aftermath of the Vince McMahon allegations. There was a lot of attention on how the press would react that evening. And Brandon Thurston, Cameron Hawkins, and John Alba really did their due diligence and stood by their laurels and asked the questions that needed to be asked. So thank you guys all for joining me. Um, Let's just go around the room very quickly. Brandon, what have these last few weeks been for you? Because I know myself, between covering MMA and pro wrestling on a full-time basis, it has been a little tough to keep my spirits high. How have you been feeling? It's been pretty busy. Um, it's it's slowed down in the last couple of days or so, I would say. But it's given you know it's it's given me a lot of work to do and a lot of things to cover and and to try to understand lawsuits and understand legalese and things like that. But it's um you know it's 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 been a lot to cover. But I you know I sort of get exhilarated from it from having a big story to cover. Cam, what about you? I mean, I think one of the things the audience loves about you is is the way you celebrate pro wrestling, the way you uh really zone in on a talent and find a creative outlet to teach the audience more about them and their journey what is this sort what have the last few weeks kind of been like for you different questions and different conversations you know um 
a lot of the talent I talked to um, skews younger. And so there's been some different conversations about things they may have experienced, things they may have seen um, that, that really vary from what conversations I've had with older talent. So that's been the biggest difference. Um, just having different conversations, you know, with people I'm familiar with, um, it kind of went along with kind of what I asked at the press conference, but that, that's been the biggest thing. Like the, the questions and conversations we're having are a little bit different now. John, how are you feeling, man? Uh, busy, tired, uh, but, but really, really grateful to be on this panel here. Uh, Cam is one of the most prolific writers in the space and I've, I've told him as much and Brandon does a better job than anybody at making this craziness digestible. So uh, very uh, fortunate to be part of this with you guys here. And I, you know, for me, Shaq, it's, it's been one of those things where going into that press conference and everything since, I mean, my background is in sports mm -hmm. journalism. I've been in thousands of press conferences in my life. I've covered abuse scandals before I've broken abuse scandals before. So uh, I hate to say almost like another day at the office, because I wouldn't say it's quite that. But it's just one of those things where you do your job, you attack it head on, and you try to make things as consumable and understandable for audiences. Where I would like to start with this is, you know, uh, I know, John, you made some bets with some people online about whether or not <laughs> you or anybody would ask the questions that needed to be asked of Paul Levesque and, and others in the WWE in the aftermath of the Vince McMahon allegations. Have those people paid up yet, John? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I didn't make any bets about me asking. I knew I was going to ask about it, but I, they were like so confident that nobody would ask. I mean, multiple tweets I got were like, I will bet money that no one will ask. I said, okay, let's, let's put some money to charity. If that's, if you're so confident that nobody's going to ask about this, let's put some money up. And uh, th there were a couple of accounts who said they'd do it. I tried to hold them accountable. They didn't, but other people in the audience said, I'll, I'll donate to charity instead. And right. I thought that was pretty noble of some people to do that. that. You know, I, I hate that we have to like venture into that territory, but right now it's important to hold bad media accountable. But when you have good media out there that are doing their jobs for the right reasons, uh, that shouldn't be something that false outrage should stem from. And I am not generally one to give trolls the light of day, but I think when you're surrounded by people who work really hard, like two of these guys here and, and several others, uh, I, I do think that their reputations are worth defending. And it, it strikes me really, really uh, in, in, a, in a negative way when people just utilize that bad faith and try to permeate that into the discourse. Let's get into the press conference stuff, because as someone whose primary focus uh, on a day to day basis is covering MMA, particularly the UFC, that press conference environment is very different than a lot of team-based sports. Uh, it ends up a lot of the times feeling like a bit of a PR stunt for a number of reasons. One, um, although it's not quite their policy these days, the UFC has had a history in the past of discrediting media who was putting out a lot of sort of anti-UFC rhetoric. They'll do these press conferences uh, in front of live audiences that turn almost more into a pep rally. And if you try to ask anything serious, I'm reminded of uh, Mark Ray Mundy at ESPN during the start of COVID. He asked if the UFC is concerned about what that might do to live attendance. And he basically got booed out of the building. Finally, Dana White, a bit of a confrontational guy, 
likes to get into the thick of it with people. And when you have that dynamic where there's one guy running the show on a podium with a microphone, it's hard to have sort of a balanced conversation. WWE, a little bit different in the sense that, you know, it is an entertainment product. And generally speaking, um, there isn't quite as much discourse between the media and the people running the show. What, and I'll kind of open this to the floor, whoever sort of feels most compelled to speak. What do people get wrong about the dynamic between the WWE and the media? And what was the atmosphere like that night at the Royal Rumble? I'll defer to anyone who Just look, at the, look at the grin on Brandon's face. Yeah, Brandon, <laughs> pick it up. I, I think. <laughs> All right. I, I mean, I I think when I when I first started to watch these 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 press conferences that they started only started to do since um, Vince resigned for the first time. Shortly after that, they started to do them right, and I was skeptical that you know I was wondering if WWE was was you know, asking people to ask certain questions. I've, I've heard that on, on occasion they do. They do encourage certain people to, to ask certain questions. But I was really curious if they were really manipulating the situation to make it so that they so that more favorable questions were asked or something like that. Anyway, I've been to three now myself. I've only requested to be at three. They've always accepted me. Um, I've at each one I've asked Paul Levesque a question that was probably not a comfortable question for him to, to, to deal with. And they continue to let me do it so I can speak for myself and saying they they're, they're not manipulating me to, to to ask you know a softball question i ask you know is uh is vince still involved in creative um you know is uh have you read the lawsuit and uh they and i've never gotten like a message or been pulled aside afterward to be told don't do that so i don't know if other members of the media feel uh, afraid that they're gonna gonna you know get, get their their fingers smashed with a hammer afterward or or what, but I think there's been no, you know, no negative ramifications for me at least. Cam? Yeah, um, just speaking towards that, you know, I um, I have what I'd call a good relationship with WWE PR um, and AEW PR, cause you know, I, I write the cool stuff that makes their talent look good. You know what I mean? Like that is, that's kind of the nature of what I do. However, um, you know, whenever we are on like, a call. There's always a representative from their PR there. Um, you know, I, I everybody's typically been an open book. Um, there aren't things that they ask me to like really cut out of conversations. Um, and I can only speak to my situation on um, at the press conference. Um, you know, PR texted me and said, "Hey, would you like to ask a question?" I specifically texted Bass. Yes, I have questions for Triple H about the situation. They said, "Cool." Um, you know, I asked what I asked. Afterward, um, you know, I, I talked to the main person I talked to and they were like, hey, thanks for the good question. And that was it. You know what I mean? Um, there, there was no pushback at all. The conversation didn't change. Communication didn't change. Um, you know, it, it's they understand that, you know, there's a, a specific type of job that I do. But also, you know, what comes from that is we're going to have conversations about the things you experience while you're at work. Um, and again, it's never been, oh, you can't say that they did that or went through that or that they said that this person maybe wasn't great to them or no, it's just, you know, it kind of goes. That doesn't always fit the final draft, but I've never been told, even on a private level, what I can ask and can't ask. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I can only attest to my experiences, obviously. And I, I do know from 
years past in previous WWE PR regimes, I think things were probably a little more contentious, but I, I do want to give credit to the current individuals who are involved in the process because I've found them to be very easy to work with and have never restricted me from asking anything or ever asked me not to ask anything. Uh, I, I was having a conversation with one of them after this press conference and they were like, look, it's, it's not like we didn't know that there wouldn't be people who would ask these tougher questions. And I think that's good representation and, and understandable uh, way to approach the job. Um, you know, I, I, I think a lot of us were a little surprised that maybe there wasn't more formal preparedness in some of the responses. Mm-hmm. And that's something I'm sure we can talk about in a little bit. Um, I, I do know that uh, there were a couple of media members who came up to me after the press conference who almost tried to insinuate to me that they were asked not to talk about it, but I, I pushed back on them and, and they started to kind of fold underneath that. So I, I don't believe that WWE had any presence in asking people not to ask about this, as has been one of the popular narratives amongst people online. And in my experiences, I've uh, never had the WWE at a press event. I've only attended uh, one or in separate interviews say, hey, can you please ask about this? So um, generally, that's been a pretty free flowing experience. You mentioned it, John. Um, Oh, by the way, I see questions rolling in. Please hit us with a super chat dollar. Thousand, ten thousand. I'm sure Sean has a preference, but I'm just happy to have your contributions. Um, One thing I think we should really touch on is exactly that. It sounds from the room here that PR was obviously aware that these questions were going to be asked. They did not shy away from, um, they did not sort of insinuate that those questions shouldn't be asked. How prepared do you think the WWE, sorry, what do you think went into WWE's efforts to prepare for this? And how do you feel about the way it was executed? Like for me, a few things that stand out. Um, Paul Levesque probably could have taken a better approach than rah, rah, the Royal Rumble was great. Uh, I'm surprised that the talents were brought out first before some sort of executive could field some of those questions. I mean, listen, uh, Cody Rhodes showed me that evening. We already, he already has executive experience with AEW, but that man showed to me that he truly could be a player long-term, even in the WWE, in an executive capacity, because he fielded that question about as well as you could under the circumstances. But what do you guys think about the fact that no executive sort of spoke before the talent got up there? And why do you think that's the approach that Paul took, um, knowing that these questions were going to be asked? Cam? You know I, mean, I feel like had. he was riding a high, like, like genuinely. I think that when you look at the overall success of the weekend, um, I don't think it was disingenuous, but I also think that, wow, we put on a great show and the crowd was great. We know we did numbers and everything's great. And I I really feel like rolling into it, touting the success. And I don't just mean touting the success to us as a way for us to not ask questions. But I also think that his confidence and how well everything got, I think he just thought that would carry him through those 20, 25 minutes. And it would just kind of kind of roll off his back, whatever he was asked. Um, lack of preparedness is is tough, but, you know, I it's, it's not it's not sympathy. But I do understand the idea that I've been working nonstop for the last however many days. Um, I have not really had a chance to focus on this. 
I would have probably said he should have focused on it more, but I understand the sentiment. Brandon, you have any thoughts on that? I asked him if he had read the lawsuit, and he said he had not. I mean, I've, I've second-guessed myself a lot about I should have followed up right away because I think I still had the microphone to ask. Well, I'm sure he was aware of the basics, at least, and did you have any reaction to that? Um, but what he said, it, in, in terms of saying he didn't read the lawsuit, in terms of saying, as Cam said, he was he, he kept you know uh, moving to say what a, what a success the show was, it, and it was a great week. Um, on a week where this lawsuit came out, uh, it allowed people to to come away saying, you know, that that he thought that this was a great week, which included this lawsuit that has a number of sexual assault allegations in it. Um, that doesn't sound like a great week to me. And how can how can I trust that you're taking this seriously enough to make the changes that need to be made to make sure that this doesn't happen again if you haven't read the lawsuit yet, or at least you don't you're not prepared to to give a compassionate response to this yeah and the way that i see it it's not because because i've had a lot of people ask me and i'm sure both of you guys have been asked this as well it's not up for us to say oh that was a good answer by that person oh that was a bad answer by that person we don't work for that entity so we can't sit here and say that that was the right or wrong answer for them i think the court of public opinion generally decides that uh when all things are considered i just i was more surprised kind of what you said before Shaq. like there was not a more formal way of addressing it uh, just from my previous experience in situations that are similar covering professional sports teams you would get an executive up front to start it or there would be a formal statement that would be presented ahead of time. That's just traditionally what I've experienced. That's not to say, by the way, we don't know. That's not to say that WWPR didn't prep him with something and he chose to ignore it, or maybe they didn't. We're, we're not entirely sure of that. I, I did inquire on that and I haven't been told anything. So I'm not sure if either of you guys have insight on that, but yeah. And, and remember uh, as, as the, as we were in the press box, I think all three of us were in the press box. Uh, I, I at least didn't know whether or not there was going to be a, a press conference and mm -hmm. B, whether Paul Levesque would actually participate in that press conference. And only, I think it was more than halfway through the show, we got uh, the, the wristbands. And um, I didn't even know he was going to really be there for sure until until it started, right? And Byron Saxon said he was going to you know, be speaking. Uh, we do have Super Chats rolling in, and I will get to these not in... Oh, never mind. Sorry. We'll get back to Ronan, though. Thank you for the generous donation. But I do want to sort of tailor these as they make sense to the conversation happening. So if we can pull up Jake real quick. Uh, he's asking, will they take questions in Vegas on Thursday? Uh, guys, how aware are you? Is this going to be like a public UFC-style press conference? Are the media going to be involved? And are, if so, are you surprised that... In the, in the aftermath of uh, the reaction of Paul's efforts that they're putting on another press conference so soon. Uh, they did say in the press release that people will be taking questions. I don't think they said exactly who will be taking questions. They mentioned who will be speaking at the press conference, but I don't think they clarified who exactly will be taking questions. Yeah. Uh, do you imagine they're expecting more of these questions and how prepared do you think Paul's going to be to maybe approach it differently? I can tell you guys, I mean, I don't know how you guys felt. I thought Shawn Michaels was extremely prepared the yes. other day yeah. on, on his call. So hopefully there's a more prepared approach to it in that regard. I would say they, I would actually say they expect less questions, but he'll be more prepared for them. I think that the glitz and glamour of this thing, like 
the the order in which I got the information was one, we're doing a WrestleMania press conference in Vegas. The next email is, hey, media, we're doing a press conference in Vegas. And then the third email, like to my regular email is, hey, the media is or not the media, the, the public's invited to this thing. Like that was the order in which things rolled in. You know what I mean? And then, um, you know, since they've been working with with on location, who I shadowed uh, for WrestleMania for a couple of days, it is very much the fan interaction, um, yeah. fan interaction, integration, big time, all encompassing ticket thing that they've done with UFC and they've worked to do with Final Four and all that to where like, hey. You're not pressed, but you get to come to the press conference. And I mean, I think Brandon and John might have, might have saw right behind Brandon, as a matter of fact, there was a row of the fans that there was somebody in, in Hogan cosplay. Exactly. And it was, it, it really threw me <laughs> right off behind me. So he's like, I, hey, I thought that was media at first. I was like, this, this is okay. Yeah. And then like, Tazawa's <laughs> like three people from him in a suit. And so it's like, have these guys been like hanging out for an hour? Like what's going on? So there, there really is like this, <laughs> this, this big time merging that they're doing. So I also wonder if that's going to not dissuade, but, but kind of change up the way people are going to be in that room. Um, You know, when it's, 40 of us or 30 of us or 20 of us, it's kind of one thing when it's mm -hmm. you in a room with 250, 300 people. I wonder oh, yeah. um, if they just expect it. And also I think that, you know, you got new leadership in the room as far as the rock goes. And I don't even know if anyone would ask him questions that he just showed up to, you know, I, I think making this the big production that it is might change up the way people do address them with questions. Well, a member it, of the board, I think he's it's legitimate to ask him a question. Oh, for oh, it's absolutely legit. But uh, I is it a nice enough be, question? I think, uh, like there are cocktails at this thing, <laughs> cocktails with your favorite wrestler after the press conference. It is a strange situation. Um, but yeah, the fairness, absolutely. But yeah, I, I think so. This is in Las Vegas, which happens to be Nikon's hometown, I believe. Um, I, it, it would be nice to hear from the number one executive with the company. Now that we, we've heard from the number two executive, we've heard from Shawn Michaels, even Cody got a, a question. I think there've been some other talent maybe who've gotten questions too. Um, it would be nice if he did some some sort of media or, or participated in this and and even took questions would, would be my preference. Now, uh, before we move on to The Rock, Cody Rhodes, we'll circle back to Vince a little bit, but I, I, I like the sort of natural direction this is taking. Uh, I do want to go to this uh, Super Chat donation from Ronan Mike Clips, if we can pull it up. little comedic break in between. If any of you guys go to the Vegas press conference, please ask Cody if he wants a team with director Zachary Levi to take on The Rock and Roman because he knows a thing or two about The Rock pulling the rug from under him. Um, really quickly though, Shaq, uh, just to sorry, just to actor, a Shazam actor, yeah, yeah. I do not think that there's, I don't think it's a coincidence that media flew out to their second biggest event of the year, flew out, got hotels, drove around, you know, all pretty much out of their own pocket. Then there's a press conference in the Super Bowl city on Thursday that everybody got invited to. Like, I don't know how many people who were in that room they actually expect to show up for this. Yeah. Are any of you planning on attending? Out of curiosity. Hell no. I cannot be there. Vegas Super Bowl week? It's it's 
Whew, that, that's 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 a lot. That's I, I have to do a lot of writing between now and then to make that happen. There, there should be no shortage of sports media. I would think there. Right. Agree. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah. And well, and this will be a this will be a really good litmus test as to truly how mainstream this story is, mm-hmm. because I would think if there are legitimate sports media out there who have been paying attention to this and it's relevant to their coverage demo that you would be asking something related to this you, you would think that at least i'm personally let me do a lot on it and so it'd be interesting i figure he's going to be in the city um it would be really interesting if he's there because his coverage like has been really pretty detailed if you watch his show that's been really interesting to see i'm particularly wondering um this has been a we you know tko group holdings merges it's this sort of titan of combat sports and on one end, you have the WWE battling these uh, you know, sexual trafficking allegations regarding Vince. On the other hand, you have a class action lawsuit from UFC fighters starting in April on the UFC end. So um, there's a lot that could really sort of disturb the apple cart here. I am wondering, since so much of the MMA press is based out of Las Vegas and the sort of overarching themes here, if we'll get maybe some representation on their end. Um, I know a few of them are WrestleMania too. Now, before we get to The Rock and Cody and how this all ties into the bigger picture, uh, I think Sean Ross Sapp has to keep the lights on. So let's go to our great sponsors, Bet Online. Hey guys, I'm here to tell you about Bet Online AG, the official betting partner of Fightful. Whenever you hear about odds for wrestling events, boxing events, MMA events, or really anything, it comes from betonline.ag. They have the earliest lines with odds open before the competition. You can bet big with high limits and rebet functionality. They have the fastest payouts with winnings paid in just minutes and the industry's best bonuses on every qualifying deposit the biggest markets like nfl nba ncaa nhl ufc plus odds for things like wwe aew and tons of other companies as well they also have a bunch of popular games they've been trusted for 25 plus years as i mentioned if we have odds here on fightful they are always coming from betonline.ag check it out my friends bet what you can Please bet responsibly. Now, there has been... I'm actually really interested in seeing what sort of uh, atmosphere there is when The Rock, Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns, and company hit the press conference in Las Vegas because the last time I remember such loud Rocky Sucks chants were in the Rocky Maivia days. Uh, Dwayne, you know, to sort of tie in that super chat from earlier uh Dwayne the Rock Johnson has gone quite the uh surprising and intense persona shift in the media where he kind of went from being like oh I'm that fun lovable guy that's super nice and gets along with everyone to stories about friction with co-stars stories about sort of him imploding movie franchises and here we have seemingly taking an opportunity from a guy in Cody Rhodes who's self-made who uh, had this opportunity sort of stripped from him for a whole year. We were promised to pay off. And the parallels to his dad, Dusty Rhodes, are starting to get a little too close for comfort. There are a few things we have to tackle here. But first, um, how intentional do you think this move to include The Rock 
in the WrestleMania buildup is to sort of drive attention away from the ongoing allegations regarding Vince McMahon. Like not very intentional, but but definitely a, it's a convenient distraction. Um, maybe we, we were just discussing as we are about to go on air the, the report from Sean Ross Sapp about how this probably came from Ari Emanuel and Mark Shapiro above above WWE. Um, they may be leaning into it to to encourage more uh, publicity that, that, that they would prefer rather than news about the lawsuit, which is not only against Vince McMahon, but it's also against WWE as well as John Laurinaitis. Yeah, that was, I, I echo all of Brandon's sentiments there. And that is the one thing that I think a lot of wrestling fans are not remembering is that this is against WWE as well. And it's also very possible, and I'm not going to sit here and throw accusations at anyone, but it's entirely possible if this process continues that people who are actively involved high up in the company could be implicated in this lawsuit in some way. You know, we know that there's four anonymous corporate officers listed in the lawsuit right now. It's very possible that individuals, we don't know for sure, but it's very possible that individuals who are actively involved in the creative process or the executive roles within the company now uh, could, if they were not directly involved, at least been on the periphery of this. And that could result in potential changes down the line. So uh, I do think that bringing in Dwayne and, and having this sort of pivot in the programming uh, is some degree of distraction and has changed the discourse. Uh, I'll admit, guys, I don't know how you guys feel, but it, it has felt very uneasy seeing how quickly some of the lawsuit discourse and scandal discourse has kind of just disappeared. Not that it's something that everyone needs to be harping on every single day and being big mad about every morning when they wake up, but it almost just feels like it's been mediated in a way. Emotionally, we want Cody resonates louder than yeah. the things that we've been talking about. You know, um, one thing I thought was really interesting when um, after the press conference, there was a lot of, and, and more than I expected, but maybe a good amount that, that probably could have been expected. The talent worked really, really hard. Why aren't they asking the talent about their performances and their experiences? There was, there was more of that than I expected. And so there are people whose goal is to focus on the show. They've been giving something to focus on and they've been very boisterous about it. So... Yeah, it's, it's been really interesting to watch. Again, I, I don't look at it as um, this is deep, dark, intentional thing. But, hey, I think there are probably a couple of people who are sleeping a bit easier watching the discourse change the way that it has. Like, I again, don't, It's not gone. But yeah. No, but like I don't and I'm curious if you guys agree with me on this, but I don't think a lot of people are really registering the scope of this scandal and mm. where I think regardless of the outcome of it this is probably the 1b to the 1a of the chris benoit scandal they they affect different outcomes obviously but this is a gargantuan scandal that will have ripple effects throughout the course of the industry one way or another don't let people tell you what's in the lawsuit go read it mm -hmm. like you a lot of what you've gotten are big bullet points or things that are easy to tweet about or post in a Facebook post. Go read it. 
and you will you will really see like like how deep this thing goes and how insidious some of it is. Um, and, and I think well, like you said, uneasy is absolutely the word. Um, it's hard to believe that if you believe half of what's in there, there's no way you believe three people were responsible for all of it. And so, yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. To the, to the general public or I think, you know, the average wrestling fan, this is, you know, to, to their view, if they've only read the headlines, this is a Vince story and Vince resigned. So that means it's all over. Right. But if you read the, the complaint, this is a, a case that there's a problem with W culture that at least four executives knew what was happening and didn't do something to intervene to stop these series of sexual assaults that she claims happened. Um, and, and that is a, that, that's something that Ann Callis, who's the attorney for Janelle Grant, has mentioned in some of the interviews that she's done, that this is a, this is a culture issue. And this involved at least, you know, according to her complaint, not Vince McMahon, John Laurinaitis. And I think there need to be questions asked about, you know, what else has gone on in WWE. And in, in addition to the other NDAs that we know that Vince has with other women. As it pertains to WWE creative, um, we've seen so much unsteadiness with like or lack of security with the direction of it you know you have sort of paul levesque take the reins from vince mcmahon vince mcmahon works his way back into the company as a shareholder and you can immediately see a change in the presentation and the dynamic and the follow-through of storylines eventually it feels like paul levesque regains control and now we see uh, according to sean's report that it's possible that triple h had absolutely nothing to do with the rock getting this spot over Cody Rhodes. Do you that do you think that speaks more to um, the powers that be in TKO's sort of uh, corporate structure making quick decisions that they believe is best financially? Or is some of this sort of control being taken away from Paul a preventative measure from the new owners who are worried about any executive that could have had any possible knowledge or involvement in what Vince and Laurinaitis and the WWE are accused of taking part in. I, I think that we're in uncharted territory as far as pro wrestling is concerned here. We're so accustomed to the individuals at the top of these companies being heavily involved in creative, right? I mean, yeah. you can go through every promotion that has ever existed back into the territory days into even to a lesser extent, Jeff Jarrett and TNA Dixie Carter and TNA Dixie Carter had nothing to do with creative until she did. Right. Um, so Vince McMahon was always at the head of creative and also the figurehead of the company. Now we're looking at an entirely different corporate structure where we've never really been in this position where you potentially have individuals who have no pro wrestling experience, no creative mm. experience, potentially dictating content because of the outside parameters or stuff that's going on that's not related to creative. And I think that that's going to be really interesting to see how directly that impacts creative going forward. Yeah, I, I would liken it to WCW in especially in the latter years yeah a little where, bit where you had executives who who were not really involved in creative but they were overseeing wcw and they were certainly making personnel changes and we're not necessarily in touch with what what's the difference between good wrestling content and bad wrestling content 
Yeah, it's, it's Triple H, and and there's going to be some qualifiers here, so you guys correct me. Is Triple H the highest ranking non billionaire around who didn't go to college? You know what I mean? Like he has a very high, high position in life. In, in, in business, not in life. I mean, like around right now. You know what I mean? But in this periphery, yeah, yeah. With, without like a real formal education, um, you know, got a job because he was very good at wrestling, and he's had some of my favorite creative that I've seen in wrestling. The stories make sense. I like what he's done with the talent, but I wonder if that reflects bad on him for them. You know wrestling guy who's only ever been wrestling guy in charge of this thing that's supposed to make us a lot of money so i don't know it, it's something i've thought about especially when, at the point around i don't know 2010 or 2011 after he's no longer a full-time wrestler I, i've thought about whether he had ever thought about you know getting an education at that point knowing that his future was as, as an executive you guys mentioned how, uh, John, specifically how big of a ripple effect this could have on the company and how it's not just about uh, Vince or John or a civil suit. At this point, you know, the FBI is investigating Vince McMahon. They don't typically investigate people without a strong reason to. The text messages in the lawsuit are you know, re regardless of what sort of uh, claims are sort of believed or not believed, those texts are very, very indicting and are very, you know, a, 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 a courtroom can very quickly determine whether or not those texts are legitimate or illegitimate. So needless to say, the outcome is not probably not going to be good for Vince McMahon here. I know we can only speculate on this, but when it's all said and done, like how big of a sh impact could this have on both WWE's business and what the company looks like long term? Like what's really at stake here in a worst case scenario for the WWE? In a worst case I think, scenario. I think a lot of people really sort of dwindle the sounds like, okay, well, Vince is going to lose a lot of money or go to jail, but the stakes could be far worse for the company. I mean, the, what, what could happen is that this lawsuit continues. It goes to discovery. We get evidence of communications between other executives and it's and it becomes clear i mean this is theoretical it becomes clear that they had knowledge of it and they didn't do something to intervene or prevent it and then those people need to be held accountable for not doing more to try to stop it and that that could lead to you know i, I who knows high, how high up this goes as uh, john mentioned there is four corporate officers who are anonymized in the complaint two of them are mentioned to be board members of the board directors. So this goes pretty high up, uh, according to our complaint anyway. So, I mean, there's there could be more fallout, which could not only you know lead to personnel changes, but would lead to more press, would lead to may maybe issues around what we saw with the Slim Jim sponsorship, where, where they, you know, and that, that seems to be a big component in what forced Vince Vince's resignation or put pressure on him is that it was not just a PR issue. Now it became a sponsorship issue. Well, and that's why, Brandon, I asked the question in the press conference the way I did specifically where I mentioned how in the end of 2022 the WWE board unanimously pushed back against Vince returning so who was aware of what at that time because that has a direct correlation to what we're dealing with now and so for anyone who wants to sit here and say Oh, this is this is just a Vince story. That was not the time or place for a question like that or anything that you guys asked or anything of that nature. Uh, it's all extremely relevant 
because we very well could be looking at a hypothetical scenario where if things went down a certain path, you could see a complete overhaul at the top structure of this company. That's not out of the realm of possibility. I know people don't want to think about that. They don't want to think about people that they looked up to potentially being knowledgeable of, again, alleged heinous acts here. Uh, but this is real life, right? Like this happens in corporate America. It happens in these institutions. You, you hope that it's not true, but we can't rule anything out of the possibility, especially as it potentially heads to discovery. And just briefly, this is only one ND. This is only one Correct. former employee with one Correct. NDA. There, yeah, yeah. there are three other former employees or talents with with NDAs as well. And, and I, that's something like I did. Um, Cam, you can go first. Okay. So look at a guy like a Donald Sterling, um, who you know owned the Los Angeles Clippers. And listen, outside of basketball, did some really like heinous things to people. Um, you know, that lower their quality of life and probably ruin their lives in a lot of cases, right? Um, in, in a situation like his, the fraternity was bigger than the guy. And so I don't think it's a situation where WWE is going out of business or anything that extreme, but a big shakeup. You could, you know, walk into a building or a, or a press conference or get on a conference call and it'd be eight new guys, um, you know, in brand new positions. But yeah, I think that, you know, them being under an even larger umbrella now, a lot of people could have a lot of issues, but I do not think it's a situation where the whole thing goes belly up. You know, it's just not the way large business works in America. And so, yeah, I, I, but I do think you could see a lot of turnover because this is not a started in 2018 thing like like again this is something we've been looking at for a very long time mm -hmm. um there's people who have probably were in lower positions in better positions who might have knowledge of this stuff and so yeah i think a lot of turnover is really what you look at definitely a change in corporate structure and i i genuinely this is that without me knowing anything about anybody names you're familiar with might not be around anymore. well and and cam like even just to piggyback that you said names you're familiar with and all that stuff in the lawsuit, if you read the lawsuit, there's a text message where Vince claims to have shown 12 other texts. I believe the number was 12. I, I could be wrong on that. But, yeah. you know, uh, who are basically production people. So we're talking about if that were to be true, again, all alleged, if that were to be true, other individuals in proxy, regardless of how high up on the corporate structure they were, were aware of some degree of some relationship in some way. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I... I we can't rule anything out. And that's what I've been trying to explain to people who've come up to me and said, well, th this is all in this Vince bubble. It it's so much bigger than that. One thing as we begin to wrap up here, I do want to sort of dive into a little bit more because I think it is a point of confusion for a lot of people is the idea that this will not go to the discovery. The plaintiff will settle and that'll be the end of the story brandon you mentioned there's other ndas uh janelle grant's lawyer says there are constantly people filling her inbox saying that uh, they have their own experiences that they want to bring forth you also have the federal the fbi investigating this what are people getting wrong when they think the plaintiff's going to get a bunch of money this is all going to go away i mean it's, it's not out of the question that this couldn't be settled at any moment um i, I can't rule that out um I think what's going to happen next is there's going to be there's going to be an answer from some of the defendants 
And, and by the way, John Laurinaitis has already turned on Vince McMahon. I think it's going to be very interesting to, to watch going forward whether WWE and Vince McMahon are on the same page here if they're answering together. Um, but there's going to be litigation first about whether or not this should go to arbitration, which will be very boring and hard for people to follow. But um, they'll be, because the, the NDA itself says any dispute should go to arbitration, which means it happens in private behind closed doors with an arbiter, and we don't get to see any of it. Um, that's what the, the defendants will want, or at least Vince will want. Um, and she will want to to keep this in, in court um i think there's a pretty good chance that it that it's not going to go to arbitration because this is clearly the kind of thing that the speak out act is was designed to protect to protect people who have been allegedly victims of sexual assault or sexual harassment to get their ndas invalidated um but as far as what are people getting wrong about this this is not just a vince issue the company is being sued here yes john john lauren ice is being sued here and the allegations are against the company and corporate officers, at least four of them allegedly, who had knowledge and didn't do anything about it. Guys, as we wrap up here, uh, I do want to circle back to the press conference. Before we get there, going back to The Rock for a second, what sort of message do you think this sends to the rest of the talent when you have uh, someone like Cody Rhodes who worked so hard who got so much momentum behind him from the fans and through sort of the legwork that he did. I mean, just go, you know, if you doubt the man's commitment, look at the Hell in a Cell match he had with Seth Rollins with the torn pack. I know there's sort of the idea that WWE could still turn this into something. I know John sort of pitched the idea of a Roman Rock match and a Roman Cody match. I think at this rate, that's the best case scenario you can hope for. But what sort of message is it sent to the talent who may be had improved morale about what they can accomplish under the Paul Levesque regime and uh, what the reality might be for uh, creative going forward. I see Cam nodding his head. Yeah, Cam, you, you lead on this one, Cam. All right. Um, I mean, nobody's bigger than the brand, man. Nobody's bigger than the brand. I think Cody, they've done this really interesting thing in the last year or so where there's five or six guys that are right there and not just in the world title picture guys you could really see being world champion i mean you know your your seth your seths and your romans are already there but you've got your cody's you've got your Sammy's, you've got your ko's they, they made jay uso a solo guy and it's really working you got gunther right there the list goes on and on true la knight or in yeah. styles like so many guys. half a rumble with these guys yeah but with all that said you're not bigger than the movie star and the movie star is part of the brand in a way now that nobody's ever been, you know, like the relationship is different. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about the rock and, and mindset earlier. Look, that's a guy who didn't lose for like 20 straight years. I don't mean a match. I mean, like in life, you know, this thing hits for you when you're 24 and 25 and even the movies that weren't great eventually got into the spot where they were. And so then, like you said, we start to see these cracks in like the with the DC stuff and maybe movies aren't so hot and there's the dispute with Vin Diesel and all that kind of stuff and The Rock becomes a little bit more human um but now he's in a position where he's winning again and look it seems to be really evident that he's of the belief and the people around him in charge are of the belief that having him involved make makes things better um you know i think that the you're not going to run into a rock probably right this is kind of a a once in a lifetime act 
Um, Cody just happens to be here. Cody happens to reach his apex at the time where the rock comes into the fold and he's a part of the money. But yeah, I, I do not think it's like kills morale for them because I don't think this becomes any type of recurring thing. Yeah. It kind of sucks in the moment. I, I get that all. I think in my general assessment of it, just kind of reading temperature here, the, what has upset fans more than anything about this is quite literally the creative steps taken to get there rather than the actual occurrence mm. itself. Like I, I don't think anyone was down on the idea of a rock versus Roman Reigns match. It was one of the most desired matches and talked about dream matches that was on the table for so long. I think it was the undermining of the Cody Rhodes character, having him win the Royal rumble and then just be like, well, you know, I'll get you someday. But here, first this guy. The and, hole and, was wide open and he handed the ball off. Right. So I think that has been what undermined fans and the character. And that's what has upset people more than anything. Because it's very inconsistent with the presentation of Cody Rhodes. The guy who has become this generation's John Cena. And that's what he is. He, I mean, he is their biggest babyface star, bonafide. Uh, but I do just want to say to that point, like I know I pitched that whole fantasy booking thing which i never do fantasy booking stuff but it still feels very elementary and unimportant compared to everything that is happening here in the grand scope of things and it has made me feel very conflicted about uh, how i consume this content uh, how i cover this concept this content rather and uh, i don't know and that might just be me but i'm sure other people are totally unbothered by it and that's their prerogative yeah, and yeah. It, how it, do you, Brandon, uh, if I may, um, and please, yeah. please tie your point into it, that was sort of a leading narrative from fans going into the Royal Rumble is like, you guys have been, this format of entertainment meets sports is so conducive to positive coverage, right? Um, how do you balance the sort of fandom that comes with it and, and you know, like we, we talked about the nature of like Cam's work for the most part, like a lot of what we do celebrates pro wrestling. How do you sort of manage that while in digesting the content in a way that doesn't feel morally corrupt? I don't know if I'm the right person to ask about how, how to how to balance, you know, doing doing coverage that celebrates wrestling. Um, I don't know. <laughs> but even as a I consumer, think... <laughs> even as a consumer, though. Um. Like, does it change I, the, your the way, perspective the way that at I look at wrestling is, I think, way different than, than most people do. Like, I'm, I, I feel like I'm looking at wrestling from like a meta level in terms of like what's what's happening with the business and who's yeah. who. I, I'm trying. I, what I think is happening in my brain is I'm trying to follow the power of of wrestling. Who has the power in wrestling? And it just so happens that 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 that's largely tied to money and business. Um, but I do kind of look at it from a from a at a, at a higher level. I I, I think to. You know, because I, I things like this, this Vince lawsuit, they 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 tend to come up. Yeah, the, the story I tell um, all the time is uh, <clears throat> when WrestleMania was in um, Los Angeles last year. Um, you know, it's at SoFi Stadium, this big giant stadium. You know, billion dollars. Uh, you know, the lights and rafters and everywhere. It's just an amazing place to be. You get there, and for me, everybody who works there looks just like me. Whether they're a little bit older, whether they're a little bit younger, you know, man, woman, they all look just like me. And for me, um, when I hear things like, 
and, and granted, like this is nothing to do with what should or should not happen. When I hear things like WWE should go out of business, I'm like, I understand the sentiment, but a lot of people like me work there and are going to have jobs. A lot of people who had nothing to do with anything wrong who are showing up every day to live their dream. And so with me, it's, you know, it's always been a celebration of people, not a celebration of WWE or AEW or whoever's, you know, in charge of the whole thing. Um, But now what's, what's tough is like, and just for example, you know, the last thing I wrote, I did a really long form interview with Rhea Ripley. And one of the things that she says early on is about her being bullied when she got there. And you can't hear that and then hear the stuff of Vince. And I'm, I mean, again, I'm not at all suggesting that that was her experience. But, you know, when you hear the, the people who are supposed to be larger than life and living out their dreams say, hey, even under, under you know, the system, I was treated really poorly. Um, I try to both celebrate the person and also acknowledge the flaws in the system that that person is finding their joy in. I mean, and that, and that translates across all pro sports, especially too, yeah. right? Like we glorify the NFL. Sure. My senior thesis in college was about the militarization of sports and the intersection of race, patriotism and capitalism and how we talk about football in this glorified way. But it's a gladiator sport, right? Where we refer to elements of the game with war terms like gridiron and hey, that guy's a warrior. So all of this stuff is mediated in pretty much every form of any art or business that has similar structure to something like this. Cam, I'm just more surprised you said there's other people who look as handsome as you do. Well, uh, well, <laughs> well, I didn't I didn't put that part and you threw that in there. But, okay, I got um, it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man. Yeah. Like, again, you're, you're calling it. Shout out to Chris Van Vliet. There we go. Well, in no, the, well, uh, in the well, system well. that we operate in, um, <laughs> we, we can find flaws and we should point out the flaws mm-hmm. in, in, in the large corporate structure and people in charge taking advantage of people under them. We should absolutely point that out. Um, and I think that at least from, you know, from my standpoint, we can still find the, the goodness and celebrate the, uh, the worker, the individual, the employee. Mm-hmm. I think that can still be done. We do have a couple super chats to get to that sort of uh, tie into TKO very quickly. First, would you guys think, I know this is speculative, but would you guys think that there's regret on Ari purchasing WWE because of all of this, or is it just such a huge financial success that, you know? Well, no, I, Endeavor had too much debt. This this erased a lot of his debt. Yeah, and, and I want to point to also, Brandon, you pointed this out last week that, Ari Emanuel wanted Vince part of this. Like this, this was something that he pushed for, and you can argue about the motives for that. But very publicly, this happened. So, it, I mean, you can elaborate more. But yeah. Endeavor did not back down from that. So the, the offer from Endeavor was okay. We'll merge WWE and UFC, and WWE it's going to be an all stock deal. No money's going to change hands. It'll be forty three percent. This new company will be forty three percent owned by WWE, fifty seven percent owned by Endeavor. Um, and then W came back and said, how about 49 for us and 51 for you? And Endeavor said, okay, this is Ari Emanuel said, okay, but only if Vince McMahon stays and he's the executive chairman for life until he dies, resigns or becomes incapacitated. And that was part of the deal that they agreed to. Um, so I mean, you, we, we could be cynical about whether that's really what, what I'm reading in the SEC filings is really what they intended. If there's some some sort of chicanery going on, I, but but that's what they you know wrote to the SEC and with with lots of legal pressure to be truthful. Um, so 
Yeah, it, it, on its face, Ari Emanuel insisted that Vince stay. Despite, I mean, and we're talking March 2023, and, mm -hmm. and the Wall Street Journal has already reported everything that it's reported. Vince has already forced his way back into the company at this point. So you know that there's NDAs and there's, you, you know, it's been reported at that point. And then there was that interview on top of that where they gushed about it. Oh my God, yes. Power. Yes. Let's go to Shotkit 29 here. Uh, the difference between this and the DC situation, uh, DC Studios, is The Rock already had the key execs he needed on his side. I imagine this man's talking about TKO. It also feels like he's positioning for a power play based on how the Vince lawsuit plays out. Is there any correlation between the timing of the Vince allegations and The Rock returning to TKO as far as any of you understand? Not as far as I know. Um, he... It it's, it's reported that this deal was made in January with Dwayne Johnson. Does he anticipate at that point that there's going to be a lawsuit that's coming out? Right. I, I mean, this is a 67 page lawsuit that doesn't get made up overnight, but I don't know that he would know unless there were, maybe there were demand. I, I can only speculate, but I, I have no reason to think so. Yeah. As we wrap up here, guys, I do want to sort of uh, circle back to the Royal Rumble and just kind of, Give you guys each a chance to speak. Um, I think, you know, so for context, like covering the UFC every week, there's just fight night after fight night. There aren't many stakes. You don't know most of the fighters at this point. In fact, I think the UFC has kind of made a concentrated effort to market their fighters less and make the brand the um, primary draw over possibly giving talent leverage so you know if you have nothing better to do every saturday than watch fights you are living the dream but uh, for those of us who have to miss birthday parties and family engagements and time with loved ones to cover something that doesn't really have much meat to the bone it can get frustrating and for people who have to cover uh stuff like the vince allegations and have to read uh these dense documents and have to absorb a lot of really uncomfortable information it can get brushed off sometimes as oh all you're doing is sitting at your desk you're living an easy life um i'm not here to pretend like any of us are martyrs or especially in light of what's happening but i do want to sort of shed some light on the pressure that comes on media a little bit when you're in that room at the royal rumble even if uh, pr is asking you to ask questions or you know you have a healthy relationship and they haven't put any pressure on you what are some of the thoughts and feelings going in your mind when you're trying to figure out how I'm going to frame this question and sort of dealing with the uncomfortable nature of having this conversation with someone in a public forum. And I'll just open the door to whoever sort of wants to speak. And, and then my thought when, when I'm about to ask, ask a question at a press conference mm -hmm. is, I don't know, I, so I, I have a day job, so I'm not totally reliant on on WrestleNomics, uh, mm -hmm. so maybe I have an advantage in, in that in that sense. But I think our our function as media is, you know, what's 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 the adage that you know, uh, journalism is what people don't want published, and everything else is public relations. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I have a responsibility to play a very specific role in, in serving the industry and causing as much transparency, fair transparency and accountability as I can. And if I don't get invited to the next press conference because of it, so be it. Cam, I'm curious uh, on your take. And now I'm, I can't at all speak to uh, what management at The Ringer is like, but I can say through talking to a lot of colleagues, especially in the UFC, one of the 
one of the things that holds the MMA media back from pressuring the UFC more is that it doesn't feel like your publication will stand behind you and fight for you. And if the UFC cuts your credentials, then your pup, your employee might not have any sort of employer might not have any need for you. And they're not going to be there to sort of stand by you, not speaking for the ringer, but if what sort of pressure is there on journalists who work for publications and trying to maintain healthy relationships with the people that they cover? It's like Brandon said, I got to go to work on Monday, man. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, there's less pressure because, and I would never want it. So I'm having a, I'm having a ball and some, some of the coolest things that have happened to me in life happened in the last couple of years, but if it goes away. I still got to go to work. You know what I mean? We, we, we went to college for all those years and spent all that money to have a career. Um, so that, you know, this is the other thing. Um, what, what I really love, um, you know, with, with my team, there's not even 10 of us, you know, we are a close knit group. Um, you know, uh, my man Kaz, shout out to Kaz, just just won an Emmy. Salute to him. Um, you know, Kaz was was a writer for WWE for a while, and there was not communication between me and the team or what I was gonna ask or anything like that. But you know, they they do the mass man. Um, they they start talking about it. Mm-hmm. Kaz shouted me out. You know, those those guys know that. Um, I think they know how hard I work. They know the relationships I've built. But the relationships I've built are not just so we can party and joke together and hug each other and take pictures when we see each other. It's very much about the individuals, very much about the people making sure that you're okay. Like I can't smile in these people's faces and say, how are you? And not mean it, you know? So, uh, you know, it was very much about uh, specifically what I asked. I asked about employee safety, employee comfortability and employees not being taken advantage of because the people that I talked to are the people who could potentially be in those situations. Um, you know, I got texts during and after the show from professional wrestlers just saying how much they appreciated that. They felt like it needed to be said. Um, and, you know, again, you don't do it to be thanked. You do it because it's important because it's what needs to be asked. So, no, it, you know, um, and not to like tell those guys, but no, there was absolutely no pushback, absolutely no questioning. It was business as usual. We talked about it. And we kept going. John? Yeah. For me, it's because, I mean, I, you know, journalism and reporting and everything, that was my full-time career for a long time. And um, we unfortunately have been in a position in society where journalism and media is just attacked and attacked and attacked. Quality journalism and quality media are attacked and attacked and attacked in discourse, in financing, I mean, just look how many entities went through layoffs in the first month of 2024 alone. Um, and I'm someone who's been laid off in the media realm. It sucks. So for me, when I'm in these environments, it's very much about trying to represent all of us in a way that reflects positively in discourse and by setting an example of doing things the right way, asking questions that need to be asked that serve discourse that serve whatever needs to be discussed in that moment to represent truth and be purveyors of truth. Um, And that's why I think it's very important whether some media members want to ask a hard question or don't want to, that you don't undermine the people who are around you. And I felt, as I alluded to it earlier, there was an incident in that press conference where I felt undermined 
by a, another individual in in the room and i just think that's really damaging and it's very important with every press conference that you attend to try to understand that your actions don't just speak for yourself they speak for other individuals in the room too Thank you. Sorry, sorry for um, undermining you, John. Sorry. Oh, no. I mean, I, I, I was truly, truly just like on a very serious note. I, I know some people looked at it as, as a ha-ha and whatever. Like, I didn't ask the question that was then dug back on, but I, I took great offense to that. And I, I did think it was serious malpractice because, uh, especially in the pro wrestling arena, having legitimate media is still something that's very new to some people. So when that's undermined, that's a very serious uh, thing as far as I see it, at least. I think that we've like proven over the, uh, you know, over that weekend and it's been proven time and time again, but you know, you get the same talking points of, People don't want to lose access and they're afraid to ask things. And I think like I hope once and for all that's really been disproven. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do also still kind of exist in a situation where there are people who are afraid to hurt feelings um, and because they're afraid to hurt the people they feel like are giving them opportunities feelings. They sometimes go out, out of the way to hurt other people's feelings. And um, it, it's not based off of being right or wrong sometimes it is just kind of to be mean and uh we just need less of that like this is a thing i think where everybody can eat i don't really think people are fighting over positions like that mm -hmm. and this is not supposed to be who can be the coolest media person or the coolest journalist like this is about getting to the information putting the information out there into the world and i hope that regardless of if what you do is the hard journalism or if what you do is even a puff piece, like we should still be able to have that respect for each other, um, you know, to let people operate and not step on their toe. If, if you're a reporter and this goes to anything, if you're a reporter and you make yourself part of the story or the discourse, you are not doing your job properly. I, I'm a true believer in that. And I don't know how you guys felt. I almost felt uncomfortable with the amount of people that were messaging me, what a great question. You were the one that asked and the two other guys that you guys were, it's not about us. It's, it's about doing mm -hmm. your job and putting the spotlight on the things that need to be showcased and need to be discussed and need to be focused on. That's my approach to it. And I think anytime that a media personality or a journalist or whatever it might be, becomes part of the story, you know on their own volition then then that's problematic i believe and and like you said before cam uh, if if you don't want to ask that question and you want to focus on your own thing that's totally fine but that doesn't mean you need to drag other people down with you and that's yeah. the way i look at it and, and you also don't need to put your hand up if, if you don't feel comfortable asking exactly. a question about mm -hmm. sexual exactly. assault or something like that um but I, th I think this this royal rumble press conference was different than the others although the the world's end press conference was similar because there was the, going into that there was this story around jericho there weren't, weren't even specific allegations but there were there was enough in my opinion to, to ask the questions and this one there's a a full complaint 67 pages full of, of allegations to ask about and there were seven questions taken i know he took two more because he felt he didn't answer them at least two of the questions or whatever. Uh, but there really, you know, there should be five people uh, as, as a guest on this show today, I think, because we, you know, yes. we, each say of his name, a, I was about to. Each, each, each of you are about, uh, you know, have a opportunity to, in this case, 
it's 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 fine if you want to ask a, a, a an easy question or something that just engages the talent on what their story is. That's all well and good. This was a different situation when it comes to protecting, you know, a, a work environment from not being a haven for for sexual harassment and assault. And that's that that that's on a whole new level than than just you know, you know, asking uh, you know a question about what channel Raw is going to be on next year, or you know how this era compares to the Attitude Era. I do feel like we had an opportunity to, and I mean, you know, we weren't sitting in the press box, huddled up saying, this is how we're going to go about it. I absolutely feel like we had an opportunity as a community, because I do think about us as a community, like we see each other in the same rooms, you know, we're all in line together to get food, even when we're online, like a lot of our stories cross over. Um, I, I do think it was an opportunity for us to kind of have a unified front. I don't know if that's ever a possibility, but it would have been nice. It would have been nice. I would say it was encouraging listening to the NXT call. And I think there were, I tried to count like six questions. Most of the questions, I think John wouldn't, I don't know if, if Cam, yeah. you were on the call. I was not, but I think most of the questions were about this story. Yeah. And Sean and Sean afterwards said, no, I understand people need to ask these questions. I appreciate you doing your job and we're going to do right. ours. Guys, I we do have think- to wrap up oh, here. Oh, sorry, Cam. I'm yeah. so sorry. I got an, I got an interview in 12 minutes. <laughs> um, and I, we do have some super chats to get to as well. So I'm going to give you guys each like a couple sentences to answer this. Uh, the first one, we're not going to pull up because of the way it's worded from uh, Amir, but thank you for your generous donation. I'll get throw this into Brand if you keep it concise, so I'd appreciate it. Um, if someone on the board currently or someone in executive role turns out to be one of those four names uh, that are currently undisclosed in the lawsuit, do you suspect that those people will be terminated? That's very possible. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Cam, very quickly, uh, you said WWE going downhill has a massive effect on your work. Can you just quickly elaborate on why Absolutely. that would be? Any, any wrestling company not existing, it's less wrestlers whose stories I can tell. And I really enjoy telling these wrestlers' stories. And so, yeah, I, I, I if the thing has to go down to save the world, then of course, let anything go down. But outside of that, you know, these entities existing do allow me um, to, to, I think, create some really cool art. And John, I don't understand this question, but if you do, go for it. It's uh, a clowning Eric Bischoff question. That's what uh, they're trying to do. Well, there you go. Thank <laughs> yeah, you for the here, the reality. So. Listen, you're going to work with people who have different opinions on you in, in your life. And in, I always approach every project that I do trying to be as fair and thorough as I can. And that's the way I approach everything I do. Also, a little bit of tension makes for a better programming, I think, my podcast. <laughs> for you. <laughs> for us as the consumers. Uh, guys, that is all the time we have. I do want to give a quick shout out as well to Nick Houseman. He's the fourth person uh, who's been getting a lot of credit for asking Cody about the lawsuit, who uh, was not able to join us today. So shout out to him. Brandon, uh, I want to leave each of you with one last word. So if there's anything you would like to sort of send us home with, I'll open the door to you first. This is a W story as well as it is a Vince McMahon story. Cam? Care about people. Want the best for people. John? Yeah. Understand that people who are put in these situations to ask these questions generally are doing them from the right place and are doing their best to serve this community well. I'll leave you with this. If you find yourself spending a lot of time uh disagreeing or debating with people on social media, I encourage you to find some people in the real world world to have those interactions with. And you might find that there are not only more commonalities and differences, but uh, 
people aren't trying to speak to you the way you think they're trying to speak to you and in turn you know you speak to them that way anywho what do i know guys brandon cam john thank you so much for the work you put in at the royal rumble the work you've been putting in and the work you continue to do thank you for making the time today of course everyone if you haven't already please subscribe to fightful and support all the great work sean is doing and all the people he gives opportunities to uh until next time guys stay safe stay safe treat each other with respect we'll see you guys at the end of the month for another roundtable save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app get 16 ounce packs of flavorful angus 90 lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious coca-cola pepsi or 7-up all with your card Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.